Hi, I'm Dee Dee Bass Wilbon. And I'm Dina Bass Williams, and we are the Bass Sisters. And this is Policy and Pound Cake. We are so excited to talk to Patrice Onwuko. She is our favorite policy woman. Patrice is the director of the Center for Economic Opportunity at the Independent Women's Forum. Patrice co-hosts WMAL-FM's morning show, O'Connor & Company, the leading talk radio station in the D.C. area every Friday. We are so excited to have Patrice on Policy and Pound Cake. Patrice, thank you so much for joining us. We are huge fans, as you know, of IWF and would love to just know a little bit more about the center that you lead and, um, and how it's going. Well, I head up our Center for Economic Opportunity. We call it the CEO. Uh, and that's our home for labor, tech, and economic policy broadly. So we cover everything from the inflation report and how that impacts families to, you know, regulations on your ability to work or, excuse me, to start a business, um, everything in between, what parenting and tech policy means, tech bans on TikTok. You know, those are all the different angles we come at it, um, different issues we cover. And we come at it from a, a free market, limited government perspective that very often um, the government uh, in intrusion or the government intervention can be more harmful and can really limit opportunity for individuals rather than really freeing people to pursue their, their purpose and their, their potential. When you talk about purpose and potential, Dean and I, we're entrepreneurs. We love entrepreneurs. Um, we just, as part of us, and we've even written a book about a prayer and pound cake. How has the, how has your center actually helped or and assisted men and women in entrepreneurship? Well, we've been, we're a policy think tank. And so we've been fighting for policies that actually help people. Mm -hmm. Two areas that we've been really engaged, most recently independent contractors. So you ladies or other people who are not traditional W-2 employees, but get 1099 work. Um, we've been fighting to ensure at the federal level and the state level that there are not new regulations making it harder harder for you to be an independent small business owner to be mm -hmm. that 1099 worker rather than a, a W-2 employee. I mean, I would think it's a no-brainer. I want to play this clip. Um, and then we, um, it, you are, you were talking about this on Fox. We want to play the clip and then we want to, um, we have some really detailed questions about where we are now. Um, so let's play this clip. Oh, this is going to hit women, working moms in particular. You sell you, your kids used clothes to make more money for your family budget. You may, you may um, get this IRS uh, reporting 1099K form. You sold a couch or equipment from your garage at a loss. You may still get that letter in the mail. What it's going to do is cause immense confusion during next tax season. It's going to put people in the position of trying to figure out, okay, do I owe or do I not? And maybe some people will end up with a higher tax bill, maybe they won't. But you've got, you know, um, congressional research uh, agencies saying, listen, there's going to be massive confusion and it's going to cost the IRS to actually try to sort out this issue. This was caused when Congress tried to find dimes and pennies right. in our sofas to pay for the American Rescue Plan. Congress lowered the threshold. They need to fix this issue and fix it before, you know, it causes even more uh, confusion and, 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 and headache next tax season. They can do it. They can fix it. Okay, so the next tax season is here. Yes. What what actually happened and how is it being fixed? So the IRS unilaterally decided to put a pause 
on this rule from being implemented for one year. So in short, instead of getting a flurry of 1099 forms in the mail, which we probably would have, I sell shoes on Mercari, for example, and, and eBay, um, I would have been probably getting a lot of those tax forms saying, hey, you need to report all of that income and we'll decide at the IRS if you owe a tax bill based on it. Um, so the IRS said, you know what? Not enough people know about it. The IRS tax professionals are not ready for the onslaught of new business that they're probably going to get. There's too much uncertainty around this. So we're going to wait for one year to enact this. This issue is not dead, ladies. This issue is still very much alive. And so this is one of the other issues that we're going to be focusing on and hammering on, both on the educational side, but also on the activism side to mm -hmm. tell people to get people to say, hey, tell your member of Congress, you need to fix this. This right. $600 threshold is way too low. The Absolutely. original threshold was $20,000 and 200 transactions. So, I mean, it was really hitting online sellers. Now we're hitting regular moms and, and, and dads like me who sell stuff online on a random basis with a potential tax bill, but at, at minimum, a huge tax headache. That I am really happy to hear that there's been a, a hold or someone has been put on that because that is really kind of scary, very scary. Yes. And I, I guess um, you're deep, knee deep in this issue. What what was Biden's excuse? Because right. you know, as you as you said before, the the idea was um, that we are going to um, tax the rich, which we also don't necessarily agree with. We believe that people should be encouraged to to make money, but um, but if they're what is the excuse? Like what, what, why would they do like, what's the reason? What, what do they say they did? It? Right. Why do they say they even did it? Yeah. So um, Democrats, when they were trying to break to fund the American rescue plan, which was in 2021, you know, that last round of stimmies mm -hmm. uh, and the child tax credits that came out on a monthly basis, they needed to raise a ton of money. And they figured that tax evasion is the way to close the gap between what the federal government brings in and, you know, the, the, the big credit card bill they're trying to stick us with. And so they thought, well, if we lower this reporting threshold, we're going to get a lot of other people who do not report income that they should. Now, this is meant to hit um, people in the gig economy, Uber drivers, for example, um, who maybe maybe they do drive enough to, and, and but are not reporting that income. I'm not against tax reporting and I'm not against tax. I'm, I'm not supporting tax evaders. But by lowering the threshold so low that you could literally trip over it um, on a very easy basis, they're now capturing millions of people who likely do not have a tax bill, but are going to be buried under this this reporting red tape, and frankly, who may hire tax professionals to try to help them sort this out or may over-report income and then, then get a tax bill and then have to prove. And imagine digging up receipts from a year excuse me, or two years ago to prove that you don't owe it to the IRS, that you, you know, you bought those shoes and sold them at a loss. I mean, that is, that is the kind of um, confusion and, and the, the, the loop, the holes that they were forcing us to jump through just so they can raise some revenue. Um, there is a bipartisan, a number of bills say, Hey, $20,000 may be too high. Let's lower it to 5k. I'm not going to support any, and IWF, we don't support any particular threshold, but we do know that $600 is way too low. Way too low. So what you said earlier, Patrice, what we really need to do, voters, listeners, we definitely need to write our representatives, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. To make the change, because this, I, that is really, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Oh, I just want to make sure that, that, that I'm clear, because 
I have some sofas that we are trying to get rid of. <laughs> you know what I mean? For real, for real. If anyone wants some, uh, lovely, uh, check out our Instagram. But so it has been clawed back. This is not happening now, but they're still eyeing it or it's not off the table completely. It is not off the table. It's just the delay in this rule has just been for one year. Um, but starting next year, if Congress does not fix this by by changing the, the, the threshold to higher than $600, then next tax year, this will be an issue. So it continues to be something like we're not going to take the gas off the pedal because if we do, nobody's going to nobody's going to make this an issue until come December of this year when right. everybody realizes, oh, this is about to be implemented. No one's ready. It's going to hit. It's going to hit working class, low income families, minorities, oh working moms directly because we are the ones who are are really utilizing these digital platforms mm -hmm. to earn some money, even if it's not at the level of making it taxable. Right. right. I even think about the the lady who the the woman who owns a salon that does my hair she makes a nice living mm -hmm. but the 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 young lady who, who, who washes my hair i always tip yeah. her through cash app yep and i'm sure that over the course of of a year she has gotten cash app from many many clients because it's just easy when you're in the salon or you're leaving mm -hmm. just to do it rather than keeping cash on you it's just that makes it a lot six hundred dollars but she, oh she so would she be in jeopardy well, she would probably have to send. Um, she because yeah, it would it would probably go to you since you're sending the money to her. Um, but she may have to start reporting that income if it reaches a certain reportable tax income threshold. I don't know what her other her overall tax picture looks like, but yeah, that's 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 the kind of income they're going after. Do I think that every person who earns income should be taxed? I mean. They, they, that's a whole theoretical issue, but I don't think if you're making minimum or below minimum wage and just this is like a little side gig, that's right. where it's it's unfair to be taxing those folks in a backhanded way, frankly. Right. There is a policy discussion about everyone having a little skin in the game, but I think that this is um, an issue that uh, it's going to really first of all it's disingenuous because it really the, the administ Biden administration clearly said that they are trying to um clamp down as you said on tax evaders the young lady who <laughs> washes my hair is not a tax evader. no not even That's, close yeah okay. not the big corporations that they always talk about yeah. no right. she's not that right absolutely not oh my goodness okay so well thank you for that patrice and i'm hoping everyone is listening and paying attention to that especially but we want to jump over to another topic that IWF is a truly champ, a true champion of mm -hmm. empowering girls sports. Um, IWF just celebrated uh, the 50th anniversary of Title IX. Yay. Yes. And we're so excited mm -hmm. about that. How is and why is it so important um, to continue to support and make sure that women's sports, that it's not, um, that it doesn't go away? That that and that Title Nine is is continues to to be. Like we don't want Title Nine to be diluted. We've exactly. seen some, some dilution of Title Nine, a lot of dilution. So how do we, how how is that going? I would say I would take it a step further and say erasure of the protections that Title IX is, has provided. That's what we're fighting right now at IWF. It's the idea that they're erasing, re, erasing the word women, redefining women from biological to however you determine or whatever you feel like women of uh, the term women should be. 
Mm-hmm. And we focus really on the difference between sex, uh, male and female, because really that's the biological distinction. What, what we're up against is a cultural change that says, well, if you feel like you identify as a woman, then you should be able to enjoy all of the benefits that biological females get to enjoy. Sports is one area and we're fighting hard. Like we, we had literally just had a rally in Cal, I believe it was California, uh, with athletes from across the country who've participated in, in the NAAC, NCAA, sorry, um, but female athletes, coaches who've participated in women's sports and are, you know, we're shocked when you see male, biological males blowing biological females out of the sports arena. That's taking opportunities away from young women. That's taking scholarship potential. That's taking, you know, all of the hard work you've built up as in your your collegiate athletic career to, to, to achieve something, robbing and taking those opportunities away. And so we're fighting on the sports arena, but we're, we're taking it bigger than that. And we have what's called a women's bill of rights, which is saying, no, there are differences, biological differences between men and women, and there need to be differences and distinctions in different areas of how we're treated. Jails and prisons. We do not need biological men in women's jails and prisons because it leads to rape. Rape, and we've seen Why are we like... We're we're trying to be great communicators, but I can't even use words to express the frustration. Like, how have we gotten to this point? And the thing that we really, really love about IWF is that you you message this in such a way that it brings together people from all different walks of life and all different parties. To, yes. to, to support this. We were so excited to see at your rally for Title IX, mm-hmm. like, you know, Penny Nance, Concerned Women from America, and the oh, leaders of the um, Women's Liberation, Liberation. Front. Yes. It's like, how do you yes. do that? How, what is, like, you are doing a great job of messaging. What is that? Like, what are you doing? Well, we recognize that this is about women, biological women, and the rights that have been fought so hard for. I mean, when we, we talk about women's rights, we think often about um, just abortion. We don't even touch abortion, frankly, as an organization. We're thinking about all of the unique spaces in the law that have been carved out so women have protections for very good reasons, whether it's for safety, whether it's a fairness issue. And I think that's how we've been um, are communicating this issue. It's unfair to put a biological male up against a biological female in, in certain sports like swimming, like track, um, like skateboarding. And so the fairness argument breaches across the aisle because there are a lot of traditional liberal feminists who say, yeah, this is not what we fought for. We fought for biological women to break through some glass ceilings. And now we're seeing biological males reap those benefits undercover. Now we also, one other thing, ladies, is one thing we do we don't um, we don't beat down people who may have gender dysphoria, mm-hmm. may really do believe that they were born in the wrong body. Hey, you know we we feel it for you when you feel like that that's a, a internal struggle that you have. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's unfair for you to take advantage for people like that to take advantage of the situation and take away opportunities and rights and and freedoms mm-hmm. that biological women have. That's not progress. That frankly, that takes us backwards in history. It really does. And I have to say, as a mom of a female athlete, she is a lacrosse player. Um, she's mm-hmm. a goalie for her club lacrosse team. She's yeah. fierce. She's fierce. Um, it is. And, and now 
as, as we're looking at schools and she's going to different clinics and things like that and participating as a mom. And what do you tell, what do you, when you guys are talking to, to parents, to moms, mm -hmm. what are they saying and how do they feel? Because when I was at your rally, it was, I was so hurt and was almost in tears when I spoke with one of the moms because her daughter had worked so hard in track These to compete. do work hard. I mean, she yeah. was a complete, an, an elite athlete and, to have, like you said, scholarships and opportunities taken away from them because a young man decides that he is now a female and he wants to compete against her, mm -hmm. completely blowing her records out of the water. Yeah. It, for me, it is, it is very disheartening. It makes me very sad. And when I think about my daughter as a lacrosse player, I could not imagine her playing up against young men. Lacrosse for men mm -hmm. is like a 360, mm -hmm. totally different. Totally different. So how do you guys talk to parents and encourage them to continue to support and, and stay on the front lines of this issue? Well, you know, we say just what you've talked about. We talk about this from a fairness perspective and, and we say we see you because I think a lot of students and a lot of female athletes right now, they feel unseen by the coaches, by their, their schools, frankly, particularly at the collegiate level where the universities are 100% bought into this gender ideology and feel like they are doing something great by allowing uh, biological males to compete in, some, in certain sports without even recognizing the harm and the damage it does and the lost opportunities these athlete, female athletes, athletes face. So we see you, we understand, where you're coming from. You're not alone. You shouldn't feel like you have to bury your own emotions on this issue. And then we're going to fight for you. We're going to try. We want to we want to ensure whether it's from a legislative standpoint or from a policy standpoint, your lawmakers know that they need to be protecting what's already, I, I mean, they need to be protecting you and protecting the opportunities you have. And so that's how we're trying to really give face. And, and frankly, on the bigger issue of gender, we are showing the detransitioners, the, de the people who thought this is what they needed to do to transition from one gender to another and regret it. They are being canceled. Mm -hmm. Right. Can you imagine ladies canceled because you were a transgender person and now you go back to your original biological gender and now nobody wants to hear from you. But before when you transition, everybody loved you. So we're giving space to all of these different stories to be heard. Patrice, awesome. um, before we wrap up, I just want to say round of applause to all of the good work that y'all are doing at Absolutely. Advocate Women's Forum. We are so excited that you exist because of everything that you've said this morning from the economic space that you're occupying mm -hmm. as it relates to policy, the um, defending women, building unique coalitions. And also um, the, as Christians, we love to see how you are compassionate to people who um, sometimes people um, on the right uh, are not as uh, giving in terms of, right. of having conversations with people who, who just don't necessarily um, agree with us, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so um, the the compassion that you show to people who are going through what has to clearly be a challenging life, mm -hmm. absolutely. Um, that that is a model that should be replicated. It absolutely okay, should. Patrice, you. let our listeners know again the the Women's Bill of Rights. Exactly, how can they sign that? How can they participate in that? 
So Women's Bill of Rights, go to IWV or IWVoice.org. That's our C4 um, activism outreach campaign. You can go there, sign it. You can send it to your um, legislators and they can be involved in that process. And on the, the, the nonprofit side, C3 side, um, go to IWF. We have all the stories, all the videos, the, the economic stuff that I work on, uh, economics, sorry. <laughs> but all of that is on IWF.org. So there are places and we have IW on network, which is where if you want to find a, a sisterhood of women who will not cancel you, we also have that community and chapters in a, a number of cities across the country. So IWF.org, IWV.org, IWnetwork.org. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much, Patrice. But before we let you go, we do have one last question for yeah. you. When you are sitting around and you're talking policy with your friends, yep. what is your favorite dessert? Tiramisu. Ooh. Yeah. She said it like, well, as if, as if like, what else is there? <laughs> okay. Love it. I like it. I like it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, Patrice, thank you so much. We have really enjoyed this. We appreciate you and appreciate all the work that you guys are doing at IWF. Thank you so much, ladies. I appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you. I really, really, really enjoy talking with Patrice. Yes, she really does have a way of making complex policies simple. She does. And um, that is why IWF, Independent Women's Forum, is so successful because they always work to make sure that regular people yes. are engaged in the important policies that affect their lives. Absolutely. So thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you like, share, and follow. And join us again for the next episode of Policy and Pound Cake.